Welcome to Wannett Hill Community Church. And yes, your eyes are not deceiving you. There are two female preachers here this day. <laughs> this is Crystal Ellerton, our online campus pastor. And we're going to share the sermon this day. We're excited. This is a first for us, but we're going to have fun together. Um, just want to greet all of you here in the Bethel campus. It's wonderful to see you. To all of you in Waterbury, New Milford and the Valley, great to see you. And to everyone watching online, we are one church, different locations, worshipping the same Jesus together. My name is Victoria Kovarik. I'm also one of the pastors here at Walnut Hill Community Church. And I want to welcome you today. It's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. And we are continuing our sermon series called Heaven Came Down. And we've been looking at different characters in the Christmas story. We have looked over the last few weeks at at Zechariah. We've looked at Elizabeth. And today we're going to look at Joseph. And as our regional special needs community group read to us, we're going to dig into Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And the theme for today, which you may have had a hint at with the worship, the theme for today is radical obedience. You know, the dictionary defines obedience as complying with an order, request, or a law is when we submit to another's authority. And I've been thinking a lot about, well, what makes what Joseph did radical? What what shifted that from simply obedience to radical obedience? And I believe that it is radical because it wasn't of this world. It it was a response to heaven touching earth. It is when God touches the lives of his people through dreams or a burning bush or by a prophetic word or by his spirit, bringing conviction of our wrong ways. It is believing in God above everything. Joseph stepped into radical obedience because he stopped looking at what he could see with his natural eyes and he began to believe that God is who he says he is. He trusted not in himself, not in a government, not in his peers or his career or even what he thought was the right thing. He didn't trust in personal achievement, but he trusted in our God. There was a radical trust. And so we're going to explore today what radical obedience looks like in the life of Joseph and what God is calling us to as we live as those that follow him. So Crystal. Yeah, so this radical obedience is really based on a trust that we have in our God. That's what makes it radical, like Victoria said. It's not just doing what someone tells us to do. It's because we believe that what he tells us is good and what he calls us to is good. And as we step into radical obedience, it really becomes a lifestyle choice, right? We, we get this opportunity to step in and to do as the Lord calls us to. And through our trust in God, we have this opportunity to really rely, to really understand, to really lean into his insight, his understanding, his instruction. And that is how we can bring heaven to earth because we do these things that he's called us to. So let me paint a quick picture for you of what's going on for you with Joseph. So Joseph, at the beginning of this passage in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 18 and 19-ish, we're talking about, he, it tells us that he is engaged to be married to Mary. 
And then he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And I think a little background would help you here to understand why this is so disconcerting to Joseph. Being engaged is just as legally binding back then as a wedding, as being married. The engagement process involved two families that had, um, that came together in a transaction that was binding. The, there was the groom's family and the bride's family. And the bride's family, before the engagement could go through, had to develop some kind of mohar, a, do, a dowry. It represented kind of the amount of her contribution to her husband's family. And so when this amount, this monetary amount, this, this services, this product amount was, was okayed by both families, then the engagement could proceed. And once the engagement proceeded, they were obviously engaged. And so it was time for the groom, Joseph, to find a way to pay this dowry, this mohar, to prepare his home and really be ready to take on a wife. But as we know in the story, things didn't go quite as Joseph planned. He was following those customs of Jewish life. He was doing the right things. And then his intended, his lovely Mary told him, Joseph, I'm pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph did not believe her. It says in verse 19, it says he, had, he was trying to find a way to decide what to do. That's how we know that he did not believe what she said. And honestly, I can't say that I blame him. I mean, how often have you heard of someone becoming pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit? So Joseph had a choice. But because of Joseph's character, something we see in verse 19, it said that he was a righteous man. So Joseph, being a righteous person, wanted to make the right choice. And Pastor Brian has talked a little bit about righteous people. Like Victoria mentioned, Zechariah and Elizabeth, those were righteous people. Those were people who were committed to their faith, who were willing to follow God and follow his commands at all costs. So we have righteous Joseph in this predicament. And he desires to do what? He desires to do something heavenly, something, the right thing. But he's not probably sure what to do. So what does he do? He relies on the insight and the understanding and the, the goodness of God in his word. So where does he go? Well, he goes to the word of God. He goes to the law. And the law gives Joseph an out. He's, they, it says that he could dissolve this engagement through a divorce. Now, a divorce, just like now, is a very, very messy and public proceeding. It involved a certificate of divorce. It involved a tribunal. It involved a whole community worth of proceedings. But Joseph, in his heart, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to honor God and be gentle and merciful to Mary. So what did he do? It says that he decided to let her go privately. He showed mercy to Mary despite the mess, despite the presumed adultery. Which brings me to a question. What do we do when we are faced with messy situations like this? Do we follow what culture says? Do we seek revenge? Do we you know, make someone feel as bad as humanly possible because we hurt? Is that what we do? No, that is not what we're called to do. We're called to be merciful because God is merciful. The apostle Paul shares with us in Colossians chapter three, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. 
So when we're faced with these situations that are messy, we must respond with mercy. We respond with kindness. We respond with humility and gentleness and patience. And we forgive because we have been forgiven. And this is supernatural, right? This takes us not leaning on our own understanding. This takes us relying on the insight, the understanding, the instruction of God because we are his creation. And we want to honor him and to give him glory. And think about this. If God is our creator, relying on his insight is giving us insight into who we are because he created us. He knows exactly what we were made for. He knows exactly what we're called to and how to get us to where we need to go. So as we trust God, as we rely on his insight and his understanding, we have this awesome chance to contribute to what he is doing, to be part of his kingdom where we have an opportunity to walk, to live, to love, to show mercy like Jesus. And we have this chance to step into what a lifestyle of radical obedience looks like and to bring heaven to earth. As Crystal was sharing, Joseph was a righteous man. He's, he's doing his best to do the right thing according to the law. He's doing his best to show kindness to Mary, to not allow her to be subject to the public shame that would have come if he'd made this a big event. And so radical obedience starts with actually relying on God's insights, relying on a way of understanding that doesn't fit how we would normally act. But the scriptures go on and in Matthew 1, verse 20, we read this. As he considered this, as Joseph is considering how to behave, how to do the right thing, how to protect Mary, how to do this in an honourable way, in the midst of that moment, the scriptures say this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. You know, as we read this passage, it reminds me that heaven coming to earth is not a comfortable moment. Can you imagine being Joseph in the midst of this moment? He had a plan. He knew how to, how to deal with this as best as he could. I mean, this was messy, yes. But now suddenly in a dream, he has an angel. I mean, can you imagine how disruptive that must have felt for Joseph? But God... I was gonna handle it this way. And yet suddenly as an angel, it says, no, Joseph, you are actually gonna be part of God's salvation plan. Mm. There is a purpose and a plan in this moment beyond what you can imagine. It's almost as if God is saying to Joseph in this moment, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you allow me to disrupt what you think is a good idea that you might discover what is truly good? in this moment. And Joseph has a choice, as we all do in those kind of moments. He has a choice. Was he gonna pursue what he was gonna do? Is he actually gonna obey? Is he gonna follow what he is understanding in the midst of that dream? Is he gonna submit? In fact, in this moment for Joseph, it's almost as if God is saying, this is not all about you. 
That's not very comfortable, is it? <laughs> but, but God is saying, Joseph, this isn't all about you. This is actually all about the child that Mary is carrying. The central figure in the midst of this moment is Jesus. And I have a special role for you. It's as if God is saying, Joseph, you're the one that needs to step in and declare who this child is. You're the one that needs to have the courage to trust me in this moment. Will you submit to my leading? You see, as the scripture reminds us, there are three things that are said about this baby that is to be born. We see the first one in verse 18, the, the child that is coming is to be the Messiah, the one that has been promised, the one that has been hoped for, the one that has been longed for for so many years, the one who's gonna rescue the people from all that they're facing, the one that will lead them. And then in verse 21, we see this child is to be called Jesus. Why? because he will save his people from their sins. This child is to be the savior. And we see as you read on in the life of Jesus that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they get very upset when Jesus declares forgiveness of sins. Mm. Why? Because that is a job that only God can do. And so right here with the very name that Joseph is to give this child, he is declaring that this baby is not just like any other baby. Yes, there were many children named Jesus in those days for the hope of what that child and what would to become, that they would be a saviour. But Jesus is the only one who will save his people from their sins that will declare forgiveness and absolution over each and every one of us who put our trust in Him. And then the third name that we have reflected on a number of times this service, the third name is given in verse 23, that this child is Emmanuel, God with us. God who is not distant and stays in heaven, but heaven comes down in Christ. Heaven comes down in this baby born in a manger. And I wonder in this moment how conflicted Joseph must have felt. He had all his understanding. He had all his expectations of what might happen. If I take Mary as my wife, what are people gonna say? What are they gonna think? What's gonna be said about us? What are we gonna have to face in this moment? And yet here he is in a dream with an angel. And it really is one of those moments of will I go with my own reasoning or will I go and trust that God is who he says he is? And I love the fact that the angel begins with those words that Pastor Brian has reminded us of a number of times in this series. The angel starts with, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's not as if this angel is saying to Joseph, don't be afraid, don't be fearful in this moment, don't worry about the decisions you're making. No, the angel is very clear. The angel says, do not be afraid. Why? Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is not like a blanket, don't be afraid, you have a big angel in front of you. This is a do not be afraid to face what you're gonna face mm. as you obey what I've called you to do. Don't be afraid of the false accusations. Don't be afraid of the gossiping, of the quiet 
laughter that takes place as people look at you and start to comment as they speculate on what's going on here. Don't get caught up with what is going on around you. And it's as if the angel is saying, you are invited at this moment, Joseph, not to get caught up in, in things on the natural, mm. but you're invited to look to the supernatural. You're invited to look to your God. You're invited to walk in trust with Him. And it got me thinking, what, what stops us from obeying? What stops us from walking into those things that we believe that God has called us to, regardless of what other people will think, regardless of what we think about that decision? What stops us? What are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of what other people will think? Are we afraid of letting ourselves down? Are we afraid that we might have to lay aside our pride? Uh, are we concerned about our own self-sufficiency and our independence? What are we afraid of? What stops us from stepping in to who this God is and all He calls us to? And the more I've reflected on it, the more I wonder, is it unbelief? Hmm. Could it be that we simply don't believe that God is who He says He is? I mean, can you imagine at the, this moment, Joseph had to stand in a position at the moment of believing that God not only could, but that God has. That God could conceive a baby by the Holy Spirit, but that God has conceived a baby by the Holy Spirit. And not only that, Joseph is gonna have to walk that out in the days ahead. Can you imagine the nights that follow? Hmm. Once he said yes to Jesus, uh, yes to God about taking Jesus, can you imagine the nights that followed? Those possible moments in bed thinking, oh my goodness, that was a dream. Did I do the wrong thing? Was that really real? Did that angel really appear to me? Was, can you imagine those thoughts? No. Whatever Joseph thought, what we know from Scripture is he walked into what he believed. He not only said yes, he lived, yes. Yes, amen. We can see that, that lifestyle of radical obedience that Joseph really just exemplified for us. And then we get to the end of our passage in verse 24 and 25 of Matthew chapter one. And it seems almost too quick, almost a little bit of a throwaway, very cut and dry, no flowery language. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And Joseph named him the baby Jesus. But these verses don't represent the steps in between. These verses are just the final proof of the results of Joseph's lifestyle of radical obedience. That first yes, like Victoria said, is just the beginning of that journey. When he said, yes, I will take Mary as my wife, he was agreeing to every day saying yes and yes and yes, and yes when it's hard, and yes when they're laughing, and yes when they're being unkind, and yes when you feel ashamed, and yes when you're afraid. That is what Joseph was saying yes to in that moment. He had to choose daily surrender. He had to set aside his, his desires, his plans, his purposes, even what he thought his life would look like to say yes. And as he radically obeyed, 
His path was directed by God. And we can see that. And we know that. And we know that as he goes on, his heart was continually transformed as he lived this lifestyle of radical obedience. And we see this even going past our passage. In Matthew chapter two, it talks more about this early part of Jesus's life. Joseph is visited twice, two more times by angels giving him instruction. God sends them to him so that he knows where to go. He goes to Egypt to save Jesus's life. And then he comes back to Israel, to Galilee, where Jesus will grow up. These are all proof of Joseph's, not only his righteous character, but his willingness to walk in radical obedience. And as he obeyed, the call of God shaped the path of his life. So as I was preparing for this moment, I was like, Lord, I want something a little more concrete, something that really helps me to more understand what a lifestyle of radical obedience looks like. And he reminded me of a sailing trip I took a long time ago. At the beginning of this trip, we board the ship, and the first thing that happens is we go away from shore, but we're obviously not rowing. I'm in a big enough ship where rowing would not have made sense. They go out away from the shore with an engine, and then we get out a ways, and the engine stops. Now, we couldn't see the shore anymore. It's a little bit disconcerting. I'm thinking, I can swim, but I don't really want to do that. I don't know how far away I am. These are things that were going through my mind, and then the crew hoisted sails. And the sails went up huge, big, and beautiful. And then the wind caught them. And we were off. We were traveling so fast. But as we went, sometimes the wind seemed to shift and change direction. So what did the sailors do, the crew? They, they trimmed the sails. They adjusted the sails into the direction to catch the wind so we could continue to go in the direction that was planned for our, our journey. So I said, Lord, that's a beautiful memory. Thank you. But what are you trying to tell me? What should I be saying to your people today? And he said that radical obedience is just like that sailing trip. It begins with a strong yes. It's that engine sending us out away from shore. And then we get to the place where we have to keep saying yes. It might be a little scary. We have to put up our sails and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to get into our sails and send us in the direction that we need to go. And we have to make sure we continue to listen because God does not give us the entire plan right away, right? He tells us step by step by step. We can't be distracted. We have to be listening and praying and seeking the Lord. And as we do that, he continues to fill our sails and send us in the direction he desires us to go. But if you're like me, I worry about messing up. I say, Lord, how can you trust me to to make the right choices? And God said to me, he said, don't worry. You're not that powerful where you can change my plans. (laughs) He said, have peace. I can redirect you. I can shift your sails for you. If you miss an opportunity, I can fix that. And I love that about God, that he doesn't leave us after our yes. Say, oh, good luck on that. He says, I'm walking with you. I am Emmanuel. I am with you. And I want to be with you. Just keep listening. Keep looking for me. Keep hoisting your sails and trimming them, changing your plans, even if it's hard and I will direct you. He continues to guide us. He continues to direct our paths as we walk through radical obedience. So as we trust in God, as we don't lean on our own understanding, as we rely on his goodness, on his instruction, on his insight, and as we take those steps of radical obedience every day, we will find ourselves on the right path 
because Jesus is leading us. Jesus is guiding us and he is directing our path through our radical obedience. So life is a journey. And there are moments as we're moving that like that sailboat, we can get redirected. And that's basically what happens to Joseph. He has a plan, he's heading in our direction and it's through that dream with an angel that everything changes. And so what do we learn from the life of Joseph? I believe that we learn what it is to rely on God and not just our own understanding. To not just go with a plan as we have it and ask God to bless it, but to actually come to Him and say, Lord, would you lead me? I wanna lean on your understanding. I wanna trust in who you are. And secondly, we see it as we humbly submit, as we believe that God is who He says He is and we actually submit to His leading. And there may well be things in your own heart and life that you have a sense about that, You need to step into it and yet everything in you holds you back and yet you believe the Lord is saying it. Well, why not? What's holding you back from living a life fully in tune with the one that made you? Hmm. And could it be that God is speaking into those parts in our hearts and lives today and saying, will you really believe? Will you really walk with me? Will you submit your agenda, your plans, your way of doing this and actually say yes, but not just say yes in a moment, but to keep saying yes as Joseph did. And then lastly, will we follow God's directions? And I love the fact that for Joseph, it wasn't simply believing in the holy conception. It wasn't simply believing that he needed to go to Egypt. It was being willing to then come back from Egypt. That actually he was living a life that was willing to follow the plans of God, even though at times that may well have felt circuitous and strange. Joseph learned not just to be righteous in his own eyes, not just to be of right standing according to the law and according to what everyone thought, but to actually be right standing before his God because he knew who his God is. That his God is creator, is mighty, is powerful, is more than able to do beyond what what Joseph could ever imagine. And yet his God is gently leading him on. And the beauty is that as Joseph takes those step by step, day by day, moments of obedience, there is something radical taking place. Why? God has a plan of salvation. God is working it out and Joseph is part of the story. God has a plan of salvation. God is drawing people to Himself in this region. Could it be that you have a part in that story? That as we are a people that seek to follow after our God, believing that He is who He says He is, believing that we can't get to Him out of our own goodness and our own good behaviour, mm. but we come into alignment with the God that made us as we trust Him as we seek His forgiveness, as we humbly come before Him. And it may be that for you, watching online or sitting in one of our campuses, you, are, you recognise that you've never said a first yes to Jesus. 
See, the beauty is that God invites each and every one of us to come to Him. And as with any question, it usually requires a response. And so that question of God, will you trust me? Do you wanna step into a relationship with me? That requires a yes. And the beauty of the Christian message is that it is not about whether our good deeds have outweighed our bad deeds. No, it is that God knows we can't get to Him based on how we've lived. God has dealt with all our wrongdoing, all our independence, all our striving. He dealt with that on the cross. He says, you cannot come to me based on your effort. You come to me based on my kindness to you. I sent my son, Jesus, to die that you might know me. And so I'm inviting you to follow. And we say yes in a very simple way with a bold and courageous prayer that simply says, God, I am sorry for living my own way. Thank you for sending Jesus to die. I, I, I give you my life. And that starts a whole new adventure, this whole new opportunity to walk in obedience, in radical obedience to a God who sent heaven to earth in Jesus. Amen. A God who has made it possible that we might one day go from earth to heaven and spend eternity with Him. And so it may be that for you today, the first step of radical obedience is saying, God, thank you. I give you my life. I'm sorry for my sins. That's your first step. It may be that for others, you've done that step. And actually, this is a moment to say, Lord, I wanna keep following. And it may be that there is something going on in your heart. There's an area that you know, <laughs> you know you've been invited into obedience. What might it look like to look at a man like Joseph and say, God, I wanna have the courage like him. I say, yes. Mm. I say, yes, I wanna walk in tune with you. Lord, would you continue to give me the strength and the courage and the boldness to follow you? This Christmas, we could marvel at the obedience of the different characters in the Christmas story. We might look at a Joseph and say, wow, what courage that man had. Or we might look at Joseph and actually undermine his courage by saying, what was he doing? We might even reject the decisions that he made. But whether we marvel or whether we reject, I believe that there is a choice for each and every one of us. Will you walk in obedience with your God? Will you connect heavenwards? Because it's that vertical connection that changes everything. It's that looking up and believing that God is who He says He is and then living out in the natural what He's called us to do. Will we be a people that connect heavenwards and act outwards as part of God's plan of salvation in our day? You see, that is radical. So we're gonna invite our worship team forward and I'm gonna ask Crystal if she'd lead us in prayer. Yes, I'd love to. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that it is not the things that we do that 
proves anything to you. That God, you respond to our tender hearts, seeking hard after you, God. I pray that as, you, as we sit and as we worship, that you would place in our hearts what it looks like to be radically obedient to you this day. That we would choose to say yes to you for the first time or say yes to that thing that is stirring in our hearts, that has been stirring in our hearts and we have yet to say yes. I say in Jesus' name today, we say yes to that. And God, I pray that you would continue to give us courage and boldness and reliance on who you are and your goodness and your, your and willingness to instruct us because we know that we can't do it on our own. We, we are humble enough to recognize that God, you are great and we cannot do it without you. So we pray, Jesus, that you would lead us on in steps of radical obedience, that you would call us out into those waters away from the shore and that we would go on this amazing adventure with you, with you, Holy Spirit, directing us and guiding us and showing us who we are and who you are. So Lord, lead us on in radical obedience. Let this not just be a passing message, God, but let this sink so deeply into our hearts that we take steps every day in obedience, no matter how small. It could be starting off in prayer, our days in prayer or reading your word. It could be forgiving. It could be saying yes to that thing we know you've called us to, but we've been too afraid to say yes. So Lord, we love you. And we take this invitation and we say yes. And we worship you with our yes today. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said together, amen. amen.